Welcome to Highly Questionable. Oh. Enjoy the view of Mina Kimes' armpits. That's Dominique Foxworth. She's never ready. Uh, what do you like on today's show, Dominique? What are you excited about? It's going to be Lamar Jackson. Oh, I'm excited about a lot of things, but no one cares what I'm excited about. Just work harder like Lamar Jackson. Uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Let's get started anyway. Are the Ravens the best team in the NFL? That's the worst game I've seen Deshaun Watson play. College or pro, they did that to him. He did not do that to himself. They are very good on defense since getting Marcus Peters. And that offense is not merely the most unstoppable thing in the league. They are scoring on more than half of their possessions. Take a look at all of history's great offensive teams. The Kurt Warner Rams. None of them scored the way this one does. This one has more ways to beat you than any other team in the league. And I'm surprised that Cleveland put 40 on them not that long ago. Dan's right, and I think it's worth stressing just how good they've been on defense over the last four weeks. They lead the NFL in pressuring quarterbacks and are second in quarterback passer rating. Over that stretch, they have played Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, and Tom Brady. Statistically, they have turned them into Blaine Gabbard. There's going to be a game at some point in January where Lamar Jackson struggles in some capacity, and this defense is good enough to back him up. They are the most balanced team in the league, and they are the favorite right now. Well, I can't add anything else to that. I think you guys hit the nail on the head. But what I can discuss is while this team is the best in the NFL, they also have the future MVP playing quarterback for them. Who is better? He is playing better for his team than one Russell Wilson. I told you, Mina, that you, I gave you a couple weeks ago, I gave you a chance to hop on this bandwagon. No, There's still no. space. There's one chair left. After this week, there will be no chairs left. So, you realize all the points we just made about how good the team is, how okay. good the defense is, is why Russell Wilson okay. is Mina, the MVP. Most Mina. valuable player. Switch quarterbacks. Which team wins more? That's Mina, all I have to ask. So you're trying to tell me the defense doesn't benefit from the fact that that um, Lamar is putting together an impressive run offense and that they get good it's field position? It, they benefit it's not from it. They're better than They are Seattle. playing better. Give me Lamar Jackson, best quarterback in the league. Can I have my show back? Can I have <laughs> no. my show back? Let's just fight. Let's just argue. Did Colin Kaepernick's workout make it more or less likely that he'll play in the NFL again? What an unholy mess. I don't feel like you can answer this question with any degree of confidence, given that they can't, without bouncing into each other and poison spilling all over the place, even conduct a workout when they don't trust each other at all. And if you're Colin Kaepernick, why would you trust a league that has taken three years of your prime? Why would you sign what is considered a standard waiver when nothing about your situation is standard? Of course he's going to be defiant even now. And of course he's going to behave in a fashion that protects himself. Tom Brady didn't trust this league with his phone. And that league changed all the rules for him. I find it suspicious that people want, in this instance for Colin Kaepernick to kneel in this instance before the league and treat it like just a job interview as if he should trust anything the NFL is doing. Yeah, I think it makes it less likely, which is a shame because I believe Colin Kaepernick wants to play football. And I also think there are teams in the league that have genuine interest in signing him. But if there's one thing we learned this weekend, or at least saw exacerbated, it is the lack of trust between both sides. I've seen people arguing, as Dan said, well, if he really wanted a job, if he's so desperate to get back in the league, he should do whatever it takes. But he can both want a job and not want to cede control completely, given everything he has been through up to this point. 
The problem is that unwillingness to seek control is probably why this will never happen, which is unfortunate because looking around the league, there's a lot of teams that could use Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, I think Mina nailed it. And the thing that's been frustrating about people saying if he really wanted the job is people seem to believe that there can't be two things going on in your mind at once and you have to rank those priorities. I think getting a job in the NFL is higher on his priority list, but being himself and being true to who he is is higher on that. And he doesn't want to work. It appears that he's a man of principle who doesn't want to work for anybody that's going to require him to be somebody who is not, which I respect. I think many of us would like to live a life where we can do that. He seems to be in a position and have the um, fortitude to do that. And I'm not going to be upset at him because me and other people and my friends have to kowtow to bigger organizations in order to make money. I think it's fine. If he doesn't want to do that, don't do it. I think he's completely comfortable with not having a job as long as he continues to be able to be himself. I think that we know that given that Dan Orlovsky was called and asked by a team to play this year, that this doesn't have to do with talent or merit. Of course, he can be on an NFL roster. That one goes without saying. But the reason they had an interview portion set up in this workout is because of the public relations that come with this. And given that everything exploded in everyone's face this weekend, that's as poor as that workout could have gone. Because look at what happened with the workout. They want to talk to him about whether there's going to be a mess around him. And he made a mess at the workout because he's not going to do things their way. To be fair, Dan Orlovsky is in great shape. He texts me about his workouts. He is ready to rip. Did Kirk Cousins win it or did the Broncos just gag it? So the Vikings were down 23-7 to at the end of the third quarter against the Broncos and backup quarterback Brandon Allen. Then Kirk Cousins led a furious comeback, which almost never happens in football, a team being out down 20 points at the half and coming back. It was genuinely impressive by Kirk Cousins. But I heard people saying, oh, this is his signature win, finally a Kirk Cousins clutch performance, to which I say... It was the Broncos, right? Like in five years when we are debating Kirk Cousins' legacy, God, that was a terrifying <laughs> sentence. Nobody is going to point to this, you know, amazing win over the three and six Broncos on a Sunday afternoon. But it was a good performance by him. I mean, that's spoken like a Kirk Cousins hater. Like, you just built up a straw man in order to hate on Kirk Cousins. Yes, he deserves credit for this win. This is the only game that was played this weekend, and he did lead them on four fourth-quarter touchdown drives. That's hard to do. And he did it without, frankly, without the contribution of Dalvin Cook, who's their best player, who normally is their best player. He had, like, 23 yards rushing. So you can't take anything away from Kirk Cousins as much as you may want to. This doesn't mean that he is going to be an elite quarterback. They're going to win the Super Bowl. But this weekend, he deserves credit it wasn't four fourth quarter touchdowns it was they had the ball four times in the second, second half, half and they scored touchdowns all four of those times and they needed every single point because Denver was throwing into their end zone at the end of the game and all of that said though the single most surprising thing I have seen this season more surprising than Atlanta beating the Saints at New Orleans and holding them to nine points or anything else was how awful the Vikings were in that first half to get down to 20 nothing. They did absolutely everything wrong, and then they repaired it all in the second half because the Denver Broncos stink, and we all know it. I bet if Russell Wilson would have led all those drives, Mina wouldn't be finding ways to criticize him. I'm just saying. No one cares. Work harder. <laughs> Finally, you're on the ship. Get on. Where does Tua's injury leave Alabama and his NFL prospects? 
Okay, so over the weekend, Alabama was blowing out a SEC opponent as they are known to do when Tua was tackled just before the half, causing a fracture in the posterior wall of his hip and dislocation of his hip, which is going to obviously impact his draft status and impact this team going forward. I think it's really bad for them because as much as I think it shouldn't matter, I think even if they go undefeated for the rest of the season, they're going to have a hard time getting in the playoffs because the people who make those decisions, the committee, they're going to look at this team and say that they are a weaker version of themselves and they don't deserve to get into playoffs no matter how they play going forward because they don't have their Heisman hopeful quarterback. I think that's unfair, but I mean, it's kind of the way it is in college football. It is unfair for the players, and sometimes it doesn't quite bother me when it's unfair for the coaches and the teams. The thing I would remind you of is that I believe that the most impressive thing on the entire resume of Nick Saban before Tua is that he could keep winning those championships without ever having a great quarterback. A.J. McCarron was the best one he had. You know every time they take the field that they've got more pros than just about anybody except maybe LSU. So you believe perhaps that that team could do what Ohio State did a few years ago where they won the national championship with their third string quarterback. But I do worry just generally about the idea of playing a college kid who has this much at stake, probably through painkillers last week, which is not something I would ever have a kid do when he's not being paid to play, and then wondering, even though everyone in Alabama would tell you that these things aren't connected, how it works with him playing through injury and then the rest of his body falling apart. He's had three surgeries in 14 months. I'd be concerned on that frame about something like that. I think Dominique's right. It's going to be harder for them to get in the playoffs. And even if they were to get there, you saw what happened against LSU with Tua, right? This isn't like the old Alabama teams where the defense can carry them. They need that offense to play at that level, and unfortunately they won't be capable of it. Now, as far as his draft prospects, it's hard to know uh, without knowing how long it's going to take him to bounce back from the injury. But I absolutely think people are right to scrutinize the context in which he went back into the game. And to remember, the next time you get a Nick Bosa or a college player who wants to skip either a bowl game or several games, this is why, to prevent this sort of thing from happening. Do you buy that Mitch Trubisky actually got hurt? What a mess this story is at that position for a Chicago Bears team that last year had a defense that we all thought was championship good, and now they've got so many questions at this position that Trubisky is someone that no one in that locker room seemed to think was hurt when they were asked after the game, was your quarterback hurt? His own teammates were surprised by the idea that he might have come out of that game because he was hurt, and the reason for that is if he had been playing well, he wouldn't have come out of that game. He was playing through an injury as most guys are doing this deep into a season and because he was playing poorly they sat him down i think it would have been more believable that he had been hurt at the halftime as they had said if we had seen people tending to him or if they didn't show matt Nagy grabbing him by the face michael corleone style like mitch you broke my heart giving him some sort of speech uh, then we might have believed he was hurt. But I think Dan's right. It's probably a little bit of both, right? He probably wasn't 100%. And also, he's never, like, 100% as a quarterback. And I think that factored into the Bears' decision. Yeah, and the funny thing is, the Bears' decision, I assume, was because they wanted to protect him. They didn't want him out there, and not just protect him physically, but they wanted to protect him emotionally. They didn't want him out there playing poorly, and they put out the message that he was hurt, so it didn't look like he got benched. But it's just backfiring. It just makes him look even weaker. And you can't this with the fact that a couple weeks ago we got the news that he wanted all the TVs turned off because he was a little sensitive and he didn't like hearing the criticism. I personally understand him saying that and I understand that sentiment. However, I don't know if that goes 
over well in a fan base and in a locker room when you want to follow a guy, but you look over at him and all you see is someone who's frail that your head coach wants to protect and can't even bear to watch any criticism from him on TV. I love the idea, though, that Goff and McVeigh are like, yeah, nobody's <laughs> talking about the fact that we can't do offense anymore because Chicago's is a good deal worse than ours. Coming up next on my show, Stevie Show. Everyone says it's a touchdown up, up, up. as he's celebrating with his giant pink right. arms. <laughs> oh, they are. Go for it. No. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Get that big boy out. Time to play the game that thinks Dan cried maybe a little too much at his wedding. Really? It was I mean, a lot. It was a lot. It's love. What's the matter with you two? You're going to be cynical about love? You give us topics and events. We question them. These two will question anything. He's still crying. <laughs> Do you question if this touchdown being called back takes away from the celebration? The Colts beat the Jags yesterday. It turns out that Jacoby Brissett is better than Brian Hoyer. And in their backfield yesterday, we've got the former Notre Dame guard, Quinton Nelson. They gave the big man the ball. He can dunk. He's got a six-pack. He's unusually athletic. And uh, there it is. Everyone says it's a touchdown. Up, up, up. As he's celebrating with his giant pink arms. (laughs) <laughs> oh, they are. Go for it. No. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Get that big boy out. <laughs> drink, drink. That's drink, a keg stand right there. <laughs> what doesn't stand, however, is the touchdown. They called it back. I love all coordinated celebrations, and I especially love it when a lineman does it because that is the most non-lineman thing ever. Linemen don't want to draw attention to themselves. So me imagining Quentin Nelson gathering all his linemen in practice and say, all right, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to run it in. I need you to stand here. You bend over. I'm going to go up. You hold my legs. We're going to do a keg stand. That is the least lineman thing I've ever heard in my life. And just imagining that makes me happy because linemen are getting a little DB in their blood, and I like it. I love celebrations that are drinking games, right? Keg stands, quarters, flip cups, or my favorite game in college, sitting alone in my dorm room watching Freaks and Geeks. (laughs) (laughs) Do you question whether this was worse than getting hurdled? Spencer Sanders is the quarterback for Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State beat up Kansas this weekend. What happened with Spencer Sanders? Is this worse than getting hurdled? Oh, kicked right in the face mask. Is that what happened? No, he caught him. He caught him in midair. Got him. His parts. I mean, yes, caught him with his parts or a part of his parts. Yeah. yeah. And he gets the first down. When I watch stuff like that happen, I go, oh, but it doesn't actually seem painful for me. Like, I can't really relate, but I just say it. It's emotionally painful. I, I, I certainly wouldn't want that to happen. I'd rather get hurdled than to have a man crotch slam me and still get the first down. And you get a face full of that. <laughs> and you play for Kansas. <laughs> Do you question if this punter was motivated by opportunity or fear? I defy you to find any show in the history of this network that covers punters better than this one does. We go out to Texas A&M and South Carolina. This is toward the end of the half. Oh, yeah. This is right here is not anything but panic. That is nothing but panic. But it's also amazing in terms of knowing exactly where the first say, yeah, down marker super was. Impressive. I mean, spatial awareness <laughs> through the roof. By the way, he was South Carolina's second leading rusher in the game. Oh, that's True embarrassing. Fact. I mean, I, I always want 
to have an opportunity to clown punters and kickers, but that was a smart and athletic play. There's nothing bad I can say about that. Except, I mean, why are you going to slide, man? Finish the play. Get to the end zone. Soft. You couldn't even help yourself. I mean, there's nothing bad I can say. Get to the end zone. End the thought with soft. I mean, he did. Questionable is broadcast from the Clevelander Hotel on beautiful South Beach, Miami. Time to play the game that was glad it was cool on Saturday so that this guy didn't sweat through his suit at his own wedding. See? Oh no. oh, no. I uh, I did anyway. I was still sweating <laughs> anyway. Uh, you tell us what's on television. We'll tell you if we're intrigued or not. Tonight on ESPN, Monday night, football from Mexico City, Chiefs and Chargers. Wow, she's going out of order because she will watch anything Mahomes and Andy <laughs> Reid related. She forgot she was going out of order because uh, she's the woman who walked into a glass door at my wedding. Let's check in with Patrick Mahomes. That's what happened. Let's check in with Patrick Mahomes uh, against the Titans here. Oh, yeah. There was only one place for him to go there, straight up because of the blitz coming from the outside. And, of course, it ends up 65 yards later in the end zone. Uh, my Sunday was less complete than normal because Kansas City was not in my Sunday. Uh, Dominique, how about you? Are you intrigued? I'll see. Of course, I'm absolutely intrigued to see Patrick Mahomes and people like Miko Hartman. Like, the most impressive part of that play may not even have been the jump toss. It was how Miko Hartman, who's the second fastest person on that team, just blew the doors off that entire defense. So as much as I want to say Lamar Jackson is the MVP and maybe Russell Wilson is the runner-up, there is still nobody better than Patrick Mahomes, and I'll never miss a chance to watch him do anything. All right, Mina, now's your turn. Uh, she's intrigued. She already, that's a little bit anticlimactic. There was some foreshadowing there uh, in the timing. Mina, are you intrigued? <laughs> yeah, I, I think this could actually be a pretty good game. The Chiefs have been vulnerable as of late. And if you listen to ESPN Daily, my podcast this morning, you would have heard us talk about how this might be Philip Rivers' last season in Los Angeles, depending on what happens. Oh, download it, rate and review. ESPN Daily, never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight at 10.30 p.m., Thunder and Clippers. Oh, we're going to get to watch probably the first time that Kawhi and Paul George are playing at the same time. Paul George came into the game the other day in his Clippers home debut. He scored in fewer than 21 minutes, 37 points. I mean, he just buried the Hawks. The Hawks got buried by the Lakers last night, too. Here, I mean, this is... This is 21 minutes. He was just dropping from all over the court. Yeah, he did the Michael Jordan there a little bit because he's feeling it. Way to introduce yourself to the new team. Uh, Dominique, how about you? Are you intrigued? I'm absolutely intrigued. I think that we also get to see Chris Paul show up there. Like, how sad must that be? Because I feel like the best Clippers team in history was once led by Chris Paul. And it's not even but a few years later he comes in and maybe he's going to face one of the best teams in NBA history. That's sad. Mina, are you intrigued? Yeah, I am. I'd call this a Chris Paul revenge game, but that seems kind of redundant. I mean, the man's entire life is a revenge game. But I am intrigued. Tonight at 9 p.m., Kings and Coyotes. I am told that the clip we're about to show you has nothing to do with Kings and Coyotes. It's Golden Knights and Flames. Explain to me why the two things are linked here. Oh, this is funny. There we go. We just wanted to show you, uh, yes, a roller skating dog. He's blading. Um, Look at the little skates. Oh. 
that seems like a good amount of fun. I'm not sure how much he's enjoying any of this, by the way. I don't think we care. Like, this is really, you humans, you're going to do this to me? Dog with no pony show. Uh, Dominique, are you intrigued? <laughs> no, I'm not intrigued by tonight's game or by that dog. Like, commit. You can't just have skates on the front. Put skates oh, on all four God. legs or you're not skating. You're skate walking. Commit, dog. Commit. Mina, I imagine you're intrigued just because it's a dog video. Wow, what a horrible face she just made at you. A face of disgust. Oh, at him, yes. Not at the dog. Uh, a real Alex Ofechkin out there. That's pretty good. Ofechkin. You get it, Dominique? You don't know anything about hockey. Ofechkin. It's a good joke, Dominique. It's not. Dominique, Dominique it's did you get joke. lost? Did, the, did it cut no, no, off? I'm I missed sorry. your laugh there. I'm sorry. It was a trash joke. I know who Alex Ofechkin is. I'm in D.C. It was a trash joke. Mm, yeah. I didn't mean to make any assumptions about your hockey uh, knowledge just because uh, you're a uh, former football player. <laughs> That's the reason. That's all the time we have for today. Mina, what do you have to plug? What do you want the people to watch of yours? Subscribe to ESPN Daily and the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny. Uh, how about you, Dominique? You got anything to plug? Yeah, subscribe to ESPN Daily and make sure you download the one that I'm on, rate it and review <laughs> it because it's the best one in the history of the show. If there was a hockey cat, it would be Mario Lemieux. <laughs> uh, yes, but there is no hockey cat. It was a dog video. Mario Lemieux. <laughs> Oh, gosh. <laughs> you got any more? You got any more? <laughs> there have more. to be more. There have more. to be more. Body four? No, that doesn't work. That doesn't work.